Boom. Hey, chocolate mama. <laughs> One time I got a message on Grinder that said, I'm going to rate you a 9 out of 11 because you're mysterious and in need of further investigation. 8 out of 10 times, I'll match with no one. No one will no one will swipe right on me. The guys who I find attractive won't swipe on me. And, like, I'm okay looking, right? <laughs> Chris says no. Oh, you're okay. <laughs> sorry, I started thinking about other things. You're a bomb. You're fucking great. I swiped right on you on Tinder. Call me average dick daddy. <laughs> like that Tell one. my dick's all right. I, uh, excuse me? Where's the door? <laughs> Hi, everybody. Welcome to Hard and Soft. And this is our eighth episode. Wow. Eight episodes. Yeah, and thank you for joining us for the eighth time. Today on the show, we have Zainab Abdul-Qadir. She is a third year, majoring in African-American studies and interdisciplinary studies, and she is also running for ASUC president. Oh, and she's a triple Scorpio. (laughs) Hi. Hello there. Stop the Scorpio slander at world, at haters, at Gemini. Today's show, we'll be talking about racial fetishization. It's a really broad topic, but we're going to talk about it through the lens of our personal experiences and dating apps and just fun stuff to break down the horrible shit that people do to people of color. First off, let's ask about your experiences on being a person of color, being a black woman and dating, like kind of just a breeding ground for some really (laughs) shitty stuff. (laughs) Yeah, it's shitty. Lots of the word. Um, (laughs) I feel like you get a weird spectrum because I think... um, For myself, I try to be very intentional about who I share intimate space with, so I really prevent myself from being in a situation in the real tangible world where someone can objectify me or exploit my identity in a way that maybe turns them on but is really triggering or traumatizing for myself. I think it has a lot to do with like the history of Black women in the United States as to why Black women are hypersexualized but yet undervalued. Mm-hmm. And how do you think it manifests in a college dating situation where people are finding themselves? Yeah, I think, I, I don't know, I feel like people are intimidated by black women or I could, I would say that a lot of my peers can testify to that, that people are timid to approaching us. I would say maybe in like the typical way that you'd <laughs> flirt or talk to someone. But I think that also because there's not a lot of black people on campus there's more black women than black men um of course but hmm yeah i think people just feel really bold in coming to us because they assume that we are hypersexual or that we will reciprocate the horniness (laughs) (laughs) or i don't know what it is people they just got fetishes that they secretly keep and then it comes out in college because they, they've, they've been craving for it for so long, and then they have the opportunity to do that, and then... Boom. Boom. Hey, chocolate mama. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so, since you're an African-American studies major, like, yeah. a lot of your classes revolve around talking about woke stuff. In your classes, has anyone said any dumb shit? <laughs> I feel like nothing immediately comes to mind maybe because we have really dope professors in the african-american studies department and they're very intentional from like the first day of class about making sure that of course like no question or comment is a dumb comment just establishing that they're not here for nonsense right or like for hurtful uh violent comments about black people or black black bodies but also i think i don't know if this is related but it's being in ethnic studies classes is really odd on campus because 
it's like an actual academic discipline and there's rigor involved, but then people treat it as a space to learn about Black Lives Matter or just learn about Black people because they want to be an allyship with Black people better, but this is an academic setting. There are times where there's space for it, but then there's times where it isn't. And when it isn't, is when you get <laughs> yeah. also, those comments. Not only in Berkeley, but mm-hmm. in Berkeley Tinder, how has this popped up? Like, how has being a Black woman on Tinder shown up? Or like- yeah. I would like to preface that there are not a lot of Black people on Tinder in this area. <laughs> it's like... <laughs> My friends are always on, not all my friends, but whenever I see people, like black people on Tinder, they're like, there's so many white men. Swipe left, swipe left, swipe left. What's your radius? My radius, I always keep it like really small. Like, me too. I don't five, want to move. And then a little bit. Because also, like, the Bay Area, I don't know, is it if it's. Like, you can just put it to like 15 and then you get people in San Jose somehow. Mm-hmm. And. I'm not driving. I don't even have a car. <laughs> <laughs> Bart your ass over here. Yeah. <laughs> Take an Uber or a Lyft. If if they pay. <laughs> Check daddies and SF, maybe. Yeah. But how have, like, have you gotten some fucking weird-ass messages that are just gross and fetishizing you? Yeah, yeah. I've had um, a message. Uh, hey, I think I saw you on the Flavor of Love. <gasps> Yes. Gas. No. <laughs> or just like you know all the the synonyms for like black chocolate, um, caramel, ebony goddess. Ooh. Have you gotten? I don't want to say I don't want to say the word, but have you gotten like Nubian before? Nubian queen. That's some hotep shit. <laughs> I haven't. I I I I'm waiting for the for the person. Just keep swiping through the community. <laughs> One day. <laughs> um, one time I got a message on Grinder that said, I'm going to rate you a 9 out of 11 because you're mysterious and in need of further investigation. <laughs> oh, wow. And it's it's so interesting even because, like, I know that these people would not say this to me in person. Like, maybe, I don't even think if they're really intoxicated that they'd feel, yeah, bold enough to say these things in, in person. Are they good pickup lines? No. Why do they use them then? But the thing is, I feel like on the internet, you feel so much more inclined to shit on someone or to do something mm. you wouldn't do in person. Because there's no physical contact. You could just, like, I can't punch your ass if you say that to me over the internet. I can just swipe, like, unmatch you or some shit. Yeah, but, like, on Tinder or even Grindr, you see face pics. Like, there's no semblance of anonymity. Like, you mm. could probably run into a Tinder match or even a Grindr match on campus. I did today. <laughs> you want to tell us about it? <laughs> <laughs> I, I just said hi. It was someone that I like went on. I got lunch with before. Um, but I'm always worried that people will recognize me. I mean, yeah, it's a valid worry. I don't message people things that I will regret or I wouldn't say in person. But it's just awkward. Like, oh my god, I am attracted to you, <laughs> <laughs> or I swiped on you, and you know that. We mutually swiped, obviously, house would <laughs> It's so weird. Like, when you see that person in real life, mm-hmm. and you're like, we match. And, like, sometimes I'll message them, or, like, they don't respond, or, like, vice versa. And you see them mm-hmm. in real life, and you're like, <laughs> hello. <laughs> so, like, you said, right, you ever say anything that you wouldn't say in real life. Yeah. Where did the sense of, like, you know, self-censorship or, like, sense of responsibility to not say dumb shit come from? Um, I don't know. I think because I really understand the weight and power and violence that words can carry, I think possibly, like, I 
I'm an Afro major, but I concentrate in literature. Um, so the immensity that words can have really impacts the way that I navigate the world. I think that I communicate better through my writing as well. I don't know, like that's inauthentic to me and that's not who I am. So I don't feel comfortable <laughs> doing that. Yeah, I just pride myself on just being a consistent bitch. <laughs> <laughs> also, yes, like words have power. Mm -hmm. And when you say these things to people over the apps, you might not feel like that's doing something to them because you're on your couch just mm -hmm. saying shit. But it affects people. Mm -hmm. But also another thing is actions have impacts too. Yeah. So have you had weird moments on dates where shit like this has come up where you felt objectified or fetishized or like someone's been entitled to your body? Yes. On a <laughs> Tinder date um, where I just wanted some tacos. <laughs> Don't we all? Free tacos, free date with this young thirsty man. <laughs> <laughs> and I didn't want to quench that thirst. I was, I, I was not the one that day. We had a very polite dinner. We talked a lot about, there's this meme about student athletes that's going around. And so we were talking. Oh, the one with a bunch of emojis? Yeah. <laughs> the we're... grind never stops. Exactly. Oh, I love that. But it was really painful because we talked about that for like an, an hour, hour oh. 20 minutes. Like, that's all we talked about. <laughs> so I was already like, <laughs> like really nervously laughing. And so throughout the date, I was trying to end. I was consistently saying, you're going home. Like, I have homework to do tomorrow. Um, it was nice going out with you. Maybe we can meet another day or time. Um, but basically, flash forward, I he parks in front or near my apartment. Um, and then I walk him to his car. Then he won't get in his car. So I let him walk me to the gate of my apartment. And then... Uh -oh. I'm a very shy and awkward person, so I'm sure I didn't come off, like, in a way that showed advances. Or, like, even if I did, like, you still need to ask for consent before you touch someone, right? Oh, yeah. And so, like, I open my gate, and I'm walking in, and I turn back around, and he just, like, whoop, <laughs> like, like a, like a bird. He dives in. <laughs> he, his tongue just dives into my mouth without, like, without warning, and I've never had my mouth intruded in this way this happened like three weeks ago no but i i could still feel the tongue like just <laughs> all the in phantom my... tongue phantom tongue, tongue. Oh, no. <laughs> wow yeah wow afterwards i said wow in shock <laughs> but then by the time i looked up he was already walking away because he thought it was a good wow <laughs> like a Wow. <laughs> yeah, definitely. If I was out of breath, it's because I couldn't breathe with his tongue in my mouth. <laughs> Bad wow. Why do you think he had the, like, he felt as if he had the right to be, like, a bird? I talked to a lot of my friends about this because I was trying to understand, like, why do men feel entitled to women's bodies in this way, right? And, like, also why am I apologizing for, or, like, why am I justifying it for this person? Because I have agency over my body. Um, I shouldn't feel like, oh, well... He paid for dinner, so I did spend time with him, so we did meet on Tinder, so, but, like, no. There's no contract on Tinder that says when you go on a date with someone, it means you were going to fuck. Exactly, yeah. Or even yeah. give a smooching tune. Exactly. Yeah, even that. Josh. Yes, Chris? You date a lot of white mans. <laughs> <laughs> Look. <laughs> Has this ever happened to you? Because I feel like it would. Okay, the thing that's happened to me on the apps is... Eight out of ten times, I'll match with no one. No one will no one will swipe right on me. The guys who I find attractive won't swipe on me. And, like, 
I'm okay looking, right? <laughs> Chris says no. Oh, you're okay. <laughs> Sorry, I started thinking about other things. You're a bomb. You're fucking great. I swiped right on you on Tinder. Look at that. Chris Cox swiped right on me. And if... I'd uh, swipe right on you. Thank you. If I'm good enough for Chris Cox and Zainab, then I am good enough for anybody. Anyways, so there's like the rare chance where like I'll swipe with somebody who's not Asian. And oftentimes, you know, they're white. And it's weird to like match with somebody who's white because... There's, like, that weird power dynamic of mm-hmm. being, like, a person of color in a relationship with a white guy. And, like, mm-hmm. a bunch of my friends have told me not to date white guys. Like, I've sat in with Trixie for, like, like I've talked with her to not date white guys. But I still am. I don't know why. I've been conditioned to find them the most attractive. And mm-hmm. I guess that's, it's going to be a process of unlearning. But I'm going to give myself room for mistakes to date whoever I want to at this time. And even if it is problematic... That's all right. <laughs> My friend and I say decolonize that ass. <laughs> That's the, the motto. So we've talked about dates and shit, but how has this popped up in an intimate moment in the bedroom? Or wherever you were fucking. I don't know. Doesn't have to be in the bedroom. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like it doesn't. I haven't had it really come up, but there are people, stories of friends, of men who think that they are above average um, (laughs) down there and they love to be, you know, dressed in that way in the bedroom. Call me big dick daddy. (laughs) And, you know, I'm an honest person and I value veracity. (laughs) So, Can you imagine, though, somebody like... Somebody trying to, like, ask for a blowjob being like, call me average dick daddy. <laughs> like, Tell that me was... my dick's all right. <laughs> I, uh, excuse me? Where's the door? <laughs> Thank you. Another interesting question that I think is worthwhile to talk about, and mm-hmm. you talked about this a little bit. Can you be f- fetishized by somebody of your own ethnic group? Is yeah. that, like, a thing that can happen? I would say so, definitely. Like, you talked about hoteps. Yeah, hotep niggas, that's a real thing. To quickly define a Zainab dictionary, urban dictionary, real quick, they are typically um, black men who like to think that they're conscious. Um, So they tell black queens um, to get with them using their their wokeness. But they actually are just fake deep men um, that hypersexualize the... The, the metaphorical black Nubian queen with her afro and curves and waist beads. Um. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I think that is like one example of a really specific group of men whose identity or like is, is often made fun of because of the way that they fetishize a black woman's body. Or often, like, there, I saw this Twitter thread about a woman who went on a date with someone who's a hotep, and she knew that they were a hotep, and they had fun together, but then, so she met them, but she had her natural hair out, and then the next time she met them, she had a weave-in, and then he, he just shut down when he saw her the second time. He was like, queen, what did, <laughs> why'd you do this? And then he was mad, and then she's like, you can leave, like, it's okay, like, if you don't, like, me for how the way I want to present my body leave. Have you ever had someone that you were dating say something like, oh, this is the first time I'm dating a black person or my family would be mm-hmm. scared of blah, blah, blah. Real. I don't think I've had that because I haven't been with non-POC people or mm. partners or 
So I think I don't know if I'm doing it to like avoid that myself subconsciously. That's like an act of self-care, though. Yeah, it is. I like I don't know because it's like it's not my job to educate you, right? Mm -hmm. But like someone, someone, <laughs> it's gonna happen along the line. Yeah, I don't know. I I don't want to educate someone. I don't think right now I have enough in my life. But so much labor <laughs> for you to undertake. Yeah. To do with that with someone's teaching own, someone like... to unlearn like their anti-blackness, yes. anti-misogyny, mm -hmm. et cetera, et cetera. And um. It seems like there's this underlying, like, mm -hmm. like for, um, you know, like having to unlearn so much of this, like, shit that you know it gets disseminated through the media. Mm -hmm. um, I was on the plane back from where I was. I was reading Bad Feminist by Roxane Gay, and mm. she has like two chapters dedicated to shitty media representation. So like she Nina talks about Dunham. <laughs> she talks about girls, but she talks about Twelve Years a Slave and Django Unchained and all these like stories that are often mm. critically acclaimed. Do you see any good media representations of black people, especially black women? Yeah, there's like a current like black arts renaissance kind of going on right now in like film, especially television. You have Empire, uh, with Cookie Lion, mm. Boss as Woman, um claiming her like what what is rightfully hers the music empire <laughs> oh, that the show's based around um you have insecure by Issa Rae <gasps> so good, good they just started show. recording season two um it's based off of awkward black girl which was her series on youtube it, it's oh. an, it's amazing oh it, my god that ending with Lawrence wow tell me <laughs> <laughs> Wow, I screamed so Ridiculous. loud. But that's another example of something that's doing a, it. Like, I don't have the words to describe. There are shows that have portrayed black women in sexuality, just black women in that way, but I don't think there there's anything that comes close to what Insecure is. So aside from the mainstream media media, we also mm -hmm. have porn, which is oftentimes the way that people learn their sexual attractions is mm -hmm. by exploring pornography and getting their kinks from that and before they act on them. Do you see problematic ways that porn represents people of color? She's <laughs> 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 <Just> like, <laughs> is that even a question? I know. <laughs> <laughs> what are some specific porns you've seen that do that shit? Porn is so interesting to me. I like, I, I don't get off of it, but like, it, it intrigues me that someone's deepest desire is to see a recreation of slavery and a woman, a black woman bonded, calling someone massa while they're fucking them. It's, it's disgusting to know that people like seeing younger women or things that are like, I'm fucking my daughter. I'm fucking my daughter's <laughs> friends. This is a submissive... Asian Gisha. This is an Indian massage video, Karma <laughs> Sutra inspired. Here are some hijabis with the big tits. Like bouncing on dick. I've seen some like that, like Mia Khalifa. Yeah. Yes. And it's almost always white dick. Mm -hmm. Always. Thing. Never men of color. There's Jeremy Long. Have to give him a shout out. Shout out. Oh. <laughs> hey, if you're listening, Jeremy, we'd like to have you on the show. Please. <laughs> um, I saw this one with Mia Khalifa where like she brought her like boyfriend over and she has a oh, really strict, she has a really strict yeah. mom and she's like kissing him outside and then her mom finds out and she's like <gasps> and then they like go inside and they all start fucking. Wait, the mom? The mom starts sucking his with dick. With their hijabs on. With Why would you wear your hijab while you're having sex, first of all? First of all. Right. That's like an intimate moment. 
exploiting the image of the Muslim woman. It's like, who's the primary demographic that watches porn? White men, I'd imagine. So, like, so objectification, exploitation of women of color's bodies is really... It's it's crazy and porn, but it's hard because like that is what like what people want to consume. And there are like counter markets in porn, like feminist porn. But the issue is people don't want to pay for that. Right. Because right. these people, these artists, um, these performers ha- have to be sustained. Like they can't just have the, the porn that people that is more healthy, that people want to see that that is it, it's hard to say, like positive. Right. Because right. yeah. some pornography can sometimes be seen as inherently negative. But that exists out there, but people have to be willing to support and pay money. It's hard because it's like indie studios yeah. doing these productions that like do sex consensually and like in a positive way. Mm-hmm. Versus Pornhub, where you see where you get it for free, but it's trash. Oh my god, it's such trash, but it's so convenient, which is so awful. So yeah. at Pornhub, please. You can Chromecast <laughs> Pornhub. <laughs> I discovered this. No way. Yeah. I'd That's love sweet. to just be if I was a man, just getting at it and then your roommate comes in you got it on the 40 <laughs> come on bro join in <laughs> i think you just described the plot of <laughs> every gay porno do you have any questions for us yeah do y'all have any juicy fetishes <laughs> such a big word do you have any juicy fetishization fetish you know, like of our own. Or? Yeah, your own experiences that you've had. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Before I, I I say the story, I want to preface by saying that I'm someone that is white passing, and so I have privileges that aren't afforded to everyone, and so I don't face moments like these on a daily basis, and I don't date in fear all the time, like people with brown and black bodies have to. But I did have a moment one time. <laughs> I have Middle Eastern on my profile. My mother is from Iran. I am Iranian and Armenian. And so this man messages me when I'm a freshman. I'm naive, don't know what's going on, and horny. He messages me and says, oh, my God, so what are you? And this is before when I had mixed on my profile. I'd, I now identify as just Middle Eastern. And so he messaged me and said, oh, so what are you? I can tell, like, there's something else going on in there. And I was like, oh. <gasps> Okay. And at the time I was like, oh, cool. He just wants to know more about me. <laughs> and so I respond like saying, oh, this is my background, whatever. And he's like, oh, that's fucking hot. And then we keep talking and then we meet up in real life. And then I was a freshman, so I was like still figuring out what my preferences were. So I just went straight up to just suck his dick. And he just starts commanding me. He's like, choke on this dick. Like, tell me that you're choking on it. Like, blah, blah, blah. And his dick was like not big enough for me to fucking choke on. <laughs> so I'm making these fake gagging noises like... Etc. Um, and then he comes on my face, and I regret every moment of my life. Oh God, <laughs> I I've never I've never had a story that like I've had stories where like or experiences where I'm always presumed to be the bottom. Mm. You know, it's, it's interesting. Like being an Asian gay man in dating apps and whatever. It's always it's almost always presumed that you're a twink and that you're submissive and there are all these like stigmas surrounding being an Asian on the apps and it's it's gross you know like when I'm like every time when I match with somebody who's not Asian who's probably white on tinder I always feel as if like that question always runs through my head are they into me because I'm adorable and a mm. perfect catch or are they True. into me because they a hundred years ago the United States colonized the Philippines and that ran over to this point when we matched you know, it's always a tricky question, and, like, I'm glad that I've 
I'm here now so I can unpack this and sort of deconstruct why I'm matched primarily with white guys. Mm. Mm. I feel like me before college, it's really deep because I'm from Inglewood. It's a mostly black and brown city, right? Mm-hmm. It's currently being gentrified, though, because uh, the form just got bought out by the Madison Square Garden. So there's been a lot of concerts there consistently. We have the L.A. Rams, but it, the stadium's in Inglewood, first of all. And there's a new metro line built because Inglewood borders Westchester, which is the L.A. city or suburb that hosts the LAX, um, L.A. airport. So... I've only been around or, like, I never met a white person in my primary education. Wow. Or, like, never met an Asian person because there's only black and Hispanic people in Inglewood. Um, You have, like, some white passing Latinx folks, but that's the closest you get. And so when I was applying to colleges, I think also because of the tokenization that often happens for people of color who are in the hood and desire to get out or desire to enter higher education, me began to kind of like fetishize whiteness itself and then just seek towards wanting to be white. I know for myself, I it was hella anti-black in high school. I know like I've tried to bleach my skin. I'm dark, so like that was never going to work. <laughs> <laughs> I already have an accent in a way because I grew up speaking Arabic, but I have a really, I don't know what my accent sounds like, but I don't talk like I'm from Inglewood to some people. But the point or the connection is, is that when I was applying to colleges, I didn't notice it until I came to visit Berkeley uh, for senior weekend with Bridges and I was able to be invited or be hosted by other black students. Shout out to Bridges. Shout out to Bridges. Shout out to BRC. (laughs) (laughs) It wasn't until then I, I really realized that was it because I, those schools are prestigious that I want to go to them? Or is it because they have a lot of white people I'm trying to assimilate into whiteness by trying to attend them? And the same thing with dating. Like, why did I want to date white men, even though I've never met a white man ever in my life? And I've only seen them through the media. And it, it has a lot to do with, like, the conditioning the media has with beauty standards. It also impacts the partners and relationships that we think we want to have. There's a lot of privilege and hegemony with, like, just idealizing whiteness as... The top of the top. What would you want to say to some white person who might, like, swipe right on you on Tinder? Yeah. What would you want them to know about you or about Mm -hmm. just dating you? One, you're not entitled to my body. Don't touch me without my consent don't open with something that is is an explicit way to talk about my body. Two, I am not here to be your first. I am here to be with you or to talk with you. But don't start to put me on the pedestal of being your first and wanting to try out and experiment. I'm a person. I'm not not a fifth-grade science project. Third, just because your partner may be a person of color, a woman of color, doesn't mean you can suddenly use um, racial epaulets, start to use derogatory terms to talk about other people who are part of the race, right? Just because I can say the N-word doesn't mean that you can suddenly say it too, right? For educate yourself. Use Google. There are so many think pieces. There are too many think pieces. Yeah. Twitter is free. Twitter is free. I don't know how, (laughs) (laughs) but... Educate yourself, read articles, because it's really emotionally exhausting to make people of color, people with marginal identities have to repeat these instructions or these stories over and over and over again. And it's exhausting. Okay, so you just educated everyone out there. But what is it for you that does it? What makes you swipe right on somebody? (laughs) This is a real learning opportunity, everybody else. (laughs) (laughs) Four concise points. One. 
how many friends we have in common, our networks, too. You know, Tinder is really innovating, and now you can see music taste. Mm. If you look physically attractive to me, but your music taste is trash, sorry, you gotta go. What's a trash? <laughs> What's trash? I think it depends on, like, the breadth, because now you can, if you connect to Spotify, like, it'll like, show you ten, mm. or, like, six. Like, diversity of music, like, if you only listen to Future, <laughs> I know. Also, like, if you only listen to Future, I'm gonna check in on you <laughs> to make sure that you're Are okay. You okay? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> three the types of pictures if it's a group picture which one are you no yeah which one are you like if your first picture is the group picture like you clearly like want me to play a guessing game four <laughs> if you're cute <laughs> i don't that should be number one that, <laughs> that yeah, number that's one. number one to me every person's cute in a different way so true oh but that's such a good that was actually really adorable <laughs> you heard it here, folks. Everyone is cute. Including you. Thanks for listening. Thank you so much, Z, for coming on the show. Thank you for having me. Yeah, it's been a real blast to have you on the show to talk about literally everything. <laughs> you covered so much. Yeah. Swipe right on me <laughs> and message me something. I mean, she gave you a guide to get in her DM, so. Yeah. yeah. Also, don't have dumb songs on your Spotify. Don't do that. Don't do it. <laughs> if you buy me a Costco bear, or if you offer that, that's... Uh, that's number five. A Costco? Oh, like those big-ass Costco bears? I, I really want one, but I'm not paying for it. <laughs> Hard and Soft is a Daily Californian podcast. Today, we were produced by Ashley Grace Vaux, Charmaine Chong, Michelle Lee, Nathaniel Mahold. Other staff members include Jessica Dong and Haruka Senju. Make sure to follow Hard and Soft on all social media platforms that exist that aren't Tumblr at <laughs> Hard and Soft Pod. Give us a five-star rating on iTunes. Please. And Thank you. Love you. Bye. Bye.